How's everybody doing today? Didn't our youth team do a great job last week? Youth revival, so good. So proud of our whole youth team, uh, just ministering to students every week. You know, junior high is going on right now, and then we have youth uh, for grades 6 to 12 on Wednesday. Just so proud of Michael and Ruth and all that they're doing, uh, but just so thankful for our youth team. I just want to follow up on Joel's invitation. Men, let's go. Tomorrow night, $25. We're going to have pizza, unlimited video games, mini putt, and I know I can beat Joel at basketball. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so even if you're brand new to church, come tomorrow night and I will beat you at Laser Quest as a special welcome to the City Church. All right. You guys, you can sign up for that uh, right after service in the lobby. A um, couple things before we jump into the message today. Are we living in the end times? And the answer is yes, because we've been living in the end times since the New Testament was written. So I have a couple comments for you, and then we're going to jump into the message. You know, the scripture tells us, no man knows the day or the hour. Now, I've been 53 years here on the earth. I've had, I've listened to a lot of preachers prognosticate about the coming of Jesus and the date. And do you know how many of them have been wrong? A hundred percent of them are wrong. Yes. <laughs> so whenever we get into a situation in Israel and, you know, terror attacks and all the different things, there will be Christians come out of the woodwork with their predictions about the return of Jesus. And again, there's no future in predicting the future. I, I've seen ministries come and with all of their... <clears throat> ways to interpret, you know, it's a really bad way to take current events and interpret the scripture. It's actually not how we're supposed to do it. And so we can look at these things and, um, you know, but again, you just have to know, no man knows the day or the hour. So if somebody comes with a prediction about Jesus return, you automatically know it's wrong. And so don't find yourself in that uh, mindset. Our prayer should be like the prayer um, at the end of the book of Revelation, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But that should be our prayer all of the time. Can I get an amen? amen? And even if you knew, which you don't, but even if you knew when Jesus was returning, you still have to live your life. Come on now. We still have to be about the Father's business. We're still going to have to get up tomorrow morning and go to work. If you, if you don't have a job, your job should be getting a job. We're not going to get off on that right now. <clears throat> you still have to live your life, still have to raise your kids. We still have to be about the Father's business. We still have to be about the Great Commission. We still have to be about loving people and serving people and caring for people. Amen. So don't get caught up. Don't get worried. Don't get nervous. And again, if Jesus were to return, that is the best thing for us ever. He's the only one that's going to fix it all anyway. Men and governments and your opinion and my opinion are not going to fix all of these things that are happening in the world. <clears throat> and what we need to do in the midst of any situation, just like we're talking about in this series, we need to put our trust in God for our today and for our eternity. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. That's all I have to say right now about that. <clears throat> all right. We have been talking about faith. Our fall series is called Full of Faith. So far, we've done four weeks. And last week, we had our youth event. 
And then, uh, so we're just gonna be diving again back into the scriptures. We have stories of faith from the Old Testament and the New Testament um, so that we can learn about faith. This is one of the big things that we would see in the New Testament, this idea of faith. They're supposed to walk by faith and live by faith and we're saved by grace through faith and it's impossible to please God without faith. So we should know or want to know what faith is and how it acts and what is the attitude of faith and discern in our lives, which we're gonna be talking about today. Am I truly living by faith? Am I, do I have great faith? Do I have small faith? Because we see these terms uh, represented in scripture and so we can look at some of these things and we want to learn and we don't want to have nominal faith. We just don't wanna be Christians in name only. We actually want to have our hearts truly turned towards God. We want to have the power of God at work in our lives. Understand what the promises of God are and put our trust in him so that his power can be active in our lives. And then, because we put our faith in God, we should want God's ways in every area of our lives. We should want to obey him, which we talked about two weeks ago that we would truly obey God, that he would truly be the Lord of our lives, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Now, we love the Savior part because we don't wanna go to hell, so we want Jesus to save us from an eternity separated from God. But the Lordship part, we struggle with a little bit because we kinda wanna do our own thing, right? Let's all be honest in the room this morning. Sometimes we don't want people telling us what to do. And the Lordship part is us submitting our lives completely to what God says, God, what do you say about my life? What do you say about family? What do you say about my finances? What do you say about my decisions? Because I want to obey those things. That's the lordship piece that we are taking ourselves off the throne of our lives and we are putting Jesus there that we would listen and obey what he's saying to us. So faith simply defined as a firm persuasion. It's a conviction based based on what you have heard. And then ultimately it is trust that I'm fully relying on God every day, all of the time for each aspect of my life. I'm not holding something back and saying, God, I got this part on my own, I'm good. I don't need your help here. I don't need your wisdom here. I don't need your power here. No, we should want God in every aspect of our lives to trust him completely. Acts chapter six, verse eight, the jumping off scripture for this series says, and Stephen full of faith and power did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians and Alexandrians and those of Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So we see the power of God active in Stephen's life, miraculous things happening. And then at the end, we see they weren't able to resist the wisdom by which he spoke. So the power of God and the wisdom of God active in our lives, this is what it means to be full of faith. There's a full range of things um, as to what that would mean in our lives practically. So this is what the purpose of this series is, so that we can live lives full of faith. And as we've been saying, just because we have faith in God doesn't mean that we are gonna be devoid of difficult circumstances in our lives. Stephen, in the very next chapter, as he was preaching, he he got stoned to death. So just because you have faith in God doesn't mean you're gonna avoid the difficulties of living in a broken world. We are all gonna face difficulties. But as we put our trust in God, he's gonna provide for us a way of escape. His power is gonna show up in our lives. We'll have the mind of Christ for the choices that we have to make. So we want to be carriers of the power and 
wisdom of God. So, so far in the series, we've talked about a faithful God. The reason that faith is powerful is because we have a faithful God. Faith is not powerful on its own. Christian faith is not just powerful because we read the scripture. It is the object of our faith that makes faith powerful, and God is a powerful God. So as we trust in him, as we put our faith in him, we are going to see his power at work in our lives because he is a faithful God. And then the second week, we talked about faith that transforms. As we put our faith in God, he completely transforms every area of our lives. He's transforming our thinking and our actions and our attitudes. And then the third week, we talked about the spirit of faith, and this attitude that we should all carry with us. And then two weeks ago, we talked about faith obeys, as I just mentioned a minute ago. All right. So as we dive in today, we're going to do a little bit of self-examination, kind of at the midway point of this series, approximately. And what, again, the purpose of this series is we want to look at our own faith. We, we want to decide and figure out for, for ourselves, am I trusting God? Am I truly putting my trust in God for each area of my life, or am I just kind of a Christian in name only, you know, just, I'm just into hell avoidance, or am I really honestly relying on God? Now, if you're, you're married in the room, it's just much more fun to examine your spouse to see if they're living in faith. You know, I can just decide if Nicole is truly trusting in God from my vantage point of superior faith. Or if you have friends in the room that you're sitting beside and you know for sure that they are not living by faith, that doesn't help you at all to decide what somebody else is doing. But what we can do is decipher and judge our own heart. Are we truly trusting God? Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Christ Jesus is in you. I love this, written to the Corinthian church. Christ is in you, but examine yourselves. Examine my heart. And this is where faith resides, in, in the seat of authority in my life. This is what the heart means in the scripture, not the blood pump, not the physical blood pump, but the actual you. The real you looking out from behind your eyes, who thinks and considers and decides that you. Am I trusting God? Am I just trusting myself? Do I have faith in the culture of the moment? And again, we we could just live lives just being dictated to whatever is popular right now. And I just live my life according to that without examining where those ideas have come from. But here the scripture is telling us that we would examine ourselves to see whether or not I'm living in in faith. So are you ready to do that today a little bit? Come on, are you ready? So you're, you're, you're gonna forget about the faith of your spouse this morning, right? Come on, there's gonna, so there's gonna be no elbowing in the room. As I'm reading some of these scriptures, you're just gonna be considering your own heart. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, impossible to please God without faith. Now, is this because God is angry and judgmental and he's hateful and he just wants to get you and that he's gonna make it really hard for you to please him? No, this is a super easy thing to do. 
Because without faith, it's impossible to please him, not appease him, but to please him. Why does it please God when we trust him? Think about that for a second. Because then he's able to come in with his help and his direction and his wisdom and his power when we trust him. If we're just on our own, doing our own thing. You know, if, if you're a parent in the room today and you have some resources and you have some wisdom to be able to help your children, but your children don't want any of your help, does that make you happy? When you know you could help them out of a situation, that you could give them the wisdom that they need, if they would just listen to what you say, if they would just trust you about something, wouldn't that bother you? That you have all this access to all of this wisdom and all of these resources, but then your kids don't actually want your help. This is why it pleases God when we put our faith in him because God has access to all resources and all wisdom. So it pleases him because he loves you and he cares about you, not because he's angry at you. It's not that he's making it difficult to please him. He just says, trust me. I want you to put your trust in me. Without faith, it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe. Here we go. What do we got to do for us to drawing near to God? We must believe that he exists. That he's there, <coughs> truly there, that he is the creator of all things, that he is the giver of life, that he is the, the creator of you. God exists, he's really there, and that he rewards those who seek him. God is a rewarder. This is the good news. This is a good understanding of a good God. Because if you've, gone, if you've grown up in some religious context or you've been taught something about God, sometimes we've been taught that God just is angry at everybody. He's got a big stick and he's just waiting to whack you. No, the scripture, the revelation of who God is from the scripture is those that draw near to God, believe that he exists and he rewards. He is the giver of rewards, the God of all resources, the God of all wisdom. He's not wanting to hold these, back, these things back that he has for his children. He actually wants you to experience these things. But we got to put our trust in him. He's not forcing himself on you. My, my dad would say it like this, God is a perfect gentleman. He's not forcing himself on you. He's waiting. And it pleases him when we put our trust in him. So we're gonna look at some stories today, some stories about faith. And then we're gonna ask ourselves some questions. Again, we're gonna be examining ourselves. Am I like these people in these stories? Am I living my life like these people? Because as we go through these stories, we're gonna see great faith represented and we're gonna see little faith. We're gonna see... People that are living in doubt. And again, none of these stories are there to condemn us. They're actually all here to help us, not to put us down when we might identify ourselves. Ooh, that's me, and that's the little faith category. We don't have to stay in the little faith category. Amen? 
The scripture says faith comes by hearing, by hearing by the word of God. So as we hear these stories, our faith can grow. And that's, again, the purpose of the series. So here's the first question I have for you as you, we are examining ourselves. In the midst of the storm, will I have faith in God? In the midst of situations and circumstances that have gone awry, that life has taken a hard right turn that I didn't expect. In the middle of that, will I have faith in God? Matthew 8, 23 says this. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Do you ever feel like this in your life? That waves are sweeping over your life. That something happens and then something else happens and then something else happens. And then kind of our perception is, God, where are you? We kind of think, Jesus, are you asleep? At the we- I need you to take the wheel right now. Like the song says, Jesus. Are, are you kind of asleep here in this moment? But the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, again, as we've been learning a little bit about faith, does this feel like they're accessing trust in God in this moment? We're going to drown. In other words, we're going under, we're going to die. Things are not going to work out. Does this sound like faith in God? Are you here today? Come on. Does this sound like faith in God? No. It's like, it's all over. Let's quit. Let's give up. We're going to die. He replied, you of little faith. So there's the answer to the question of what does it look like for me in the middle of a storm? Am I I committing to trust in God or is my faith little? It just sounds like it's all over. This happened. It's all over. This thing happened. I'm going to die. This thing happened. It's too much. Jesus said to them, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Little faith is afraid. But instead of being afraid, God wants us to put our trust in him. Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Are we afraid? Are we living afraid? Are we watching the news and then living afraid? Anytime you watch the news and you're afraid, here's what you need to know. God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter what circumstances go on. We we could talk about these things and we're gonna have discussion about these things. But if we watch something and fear captures our heart, we know in that moment as we examine ourselves, not our spouse, oh, I haven't put my trust in God here in this moment. I can make a change. I can do something else. I don't have to live afraid. I'm gonna put my trust in God. God is still on the throne. No circumstance of life in the world or the economy or wars or rumors of wars or all the rest of it, none of those things are knocking God off the throne. 
So what I need to know is, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. God, I'm going to trust you. I don't want to be like the disciples here in this moment where Jesus would look at me and say, oh, you have little faith. Now, we're all going to be tempted. We're going to be presented with opportunities to be afraid all of the time. But let's choose to trust God. Next question for the story we read, are we worrying or are we trusting God? Matthew 6, 27. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So what's the answer to that question? No. Has worry ever helped you or I? Here, Jesus, um, can you make yourself live a little bit longer by worry, anxiousness about the future? The answer is no, that worry doesn't change anything. In fact, I would suggest that worry ruins our todays. Wouldn't you agree? The days that you've spent worrying, the nights that you have been up at night nervous about the future, did that help you? Did it fix the problem? Didn't fix the situation. My nervousness about the future, anxiousness about world situations. None of that, none of my negative imagination about the future fixes anything. So am I worrying or am I trusting God? And why do you worry about your clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So Jesus is helping us in this story. He's not condemning us by telling us that our faith is small. He's encouraging us to actually live by faith. Are we better than the grass in the field? Come on now. Are we better than the grass in the field? Yes. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Won't God take care of you? The Father God, the one who loves you more than anyone, isn't he going to take care of you? I don't, I don't want to be of little faith. I actually want to trust God as my Father, a loving Heavenly Father who will take care of me. So do not worry, verse 31, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? Just the necessities of life, the practicalities of life. For the pagans run after all these things. And what is a pagan? Somebody who doesn't have a covenant with God. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Am I worrying or am I trusting God? Next question for us. Will the circumstances consume my thoughts? Matthew 14, verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Here, Jesus is walking on the water. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. What do we know about their faith in this moment? It's little. Why? Because they're afraid. 
But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So what would Jesus say to us in the middle of circumstances? What is he gonna say to us? Take courage, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Uh Uh-oh, what's happening? His faith is shrinking. Why? Because fear captured his heart. And at the beginning, and beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Why didn't Jesus congratulate him? Peter, except for me, no one else has walked on water ever. Couldn't have Jesus been positive? Jesus, can't you just be positive right now? Come on. No, this was a lesson. How many of you know it's better to know the truth? Right? It's better to know the truth than a lie just to make yourself feel better. We should actually want to know the truth of the state of our faith. Oh, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When he climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshiped to sing, truly, you are the son of God. So here's what we know, that faith and doubt are the result of looking, perceiving, and thinking. The result is belief. So the question is, what are we looking at? What are we perceiving and what are we thinking? Because there's always gonna be circumstances that present themselves to us. But in the midst of those circumstances, instead of just looking and staring at the circumstances and considering them and going over them, in the middle of that, instead we should be doing what Peter should have been doing is looking at Jesus. What happened? His gaze got distracted. He was looking at Jesus. He was walking on the water. And then he started to look at the wind and the waves. And he started to sink. And that will be true of us. And it's not that there aren't things to be afraid of. Because there are. There's many things that could make us nervous. But instead of fixing our eyes and considering that and thinking about it, because again, if we think about all of those things, we will begin to sink down in fear. Have you not proven this out in your life? So have I. When we start to look at those things that seem overwhelming, we start to sink down. We can sink down into depression and fear and oppression. But if we fix our gaze at Jesus and think about him, we are lifted up. Amen. So we're gonna look at two stories before we finish this morning. And we're gonna look at the two people at which Jesus said, you have great faith. Don't we want to know what great faith looks like? We've caught a picture here a little bit of little faith and, and fear and staring at the circumstances. We know that because we've done that. But we should want to know, what does great faith look like? It's the opposite of little faith. How do these people act and what did they do and what were their attitudes? And and as we look at this, we're going to see a couple things. We're going to see bold humility. These are seemingly opposite things, but 
they go really well together with great faith, that we are bold to come and ask God for something. We're bold to come to Jesus with his promises in our hand and in our mouth and the word of God in our mouth to boldly come to the throne of grace, to find grace to help in time of need, to boldly come. When I go and visit my my parents' condo, even though I don't live at home, I haven't lived at home for 30-something years at this point. But when I go to visit their condo, I don't say, Mom and Dad, could I please have something to drink? You know what I do? I boldly walk to the fridge. (laughs) And I open it up. And whatever's in there, I go for it. I don't even ask why, because I am a son. Are you a child of God in here today? See, this is how God wants us to think, that we can boldly come to the throne of grace, to ask for grace and mercy, to help in time of need, to boldly come. This is how he wants us to perceive our relationship with him, that we would boldly come. And then we would humble ourselves as to what he would say. So we're gonna see both of these things at work in these two stories that we finished with. So Matthew 15, so here is a story, and this is a rough story. As we read this story, as we go into the story, we have to know that Jesus did the right thing, right? And he said the right thing, and he said the things for a reason and for a purpose, even though it's gonna be a little bit difficult for our sensibilities right now. But at the end of the story, this woman's daughter gets healed. Verse 21 says, leaving the place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came out, came to him crying out. Now, the reason that we're seeing in the story that this is a Canaanite woman is, in other words, this is a non-Jewish woman and no religious training in Torah, doesn't understand about the scriptures outside of the covenant. So coming to Jesus which is important, but at the end, we're also gonna see that this woman has great faith. Crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, as you you read through different commentaries on these verses, people have all different types of, of takes on this. And one of the thoughts here would be that she would be using borrowed phraseology, because in other words, this is not her, this wouldn't be her training. She wouldn't know who David was necessarily. But she's saying, Lord, have mercy. So some would be thinking here that she would just be, oh, what is the thing you say to Jesus to get your healing? Well, this is the thing you say. So she's just parroting something that somebody else might be saying. Because it's interesting to hear, to see how Jesus responds. Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and is suffering terribly. Verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying after us. Now, how many know this is like, this seems like a rough situation right now. Jesus is not answering. And in front of this woman, the disciples are saying to Jesus, send her away. Jesus did not answer words. The disciples came and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Verse 24, he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. 
Lord, help me. So we see a little bit, she's moving from this phrase that might appear to be a borrowed phrase to just a humble heart. She was bold to come and ask, but here she's humbling herself. She's kneeling before Jesus, Lord, help me. And how many know that's a good prayer to pray? Don't we need the Lord's help? That we would be bold to come and ask, but humbly say, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. That's humility. Bold to come and ask. Humble posture of heart that realizes that you need a Lord and Savior. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Ouch! This is rough. This is a rough discussion. And this is why I said at the beginning, you got to stay on Jesus' side when you read New Testament stories. Jesus is going somewhere with this whole thing. Now listen. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from their master's table. So this woman has adjusted herself, coming with the borrowed phrase, Lord, help, to completely humbling herself for the sake of her daughter. Not getting offended, because anybody think there's an opportunity for offense here? She could just got offended and walked away. Who does this guy think he is? Jesus said in the next verse, Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith, bold humility. It's bold to come. And then she had to humble herself under the words of Jesus. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. And then finally this, as we finish today, the healing of the centurion servant. And Rebecca, you can come on up wherever you are. So we have these stories of of little faith and, and struggling faith. And then we have this woman who has great faith. And then here we have a centurion. So both of these people that we're gonna see here, we're gonna look at the second one. Neither of them had been Old Testament trained. But... They had great faith, childlike faith, that simply says, I trust you. When you don't know what else to say and you don't know what else to do, this is the need, this needs to be the posture of our heart. God, I trust you. I fully rely on you. Let's read about this. We're going to see the boldness and the humility of this centurion. Matthew 8, verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Now, who is this guy? This guy is a centurion. In other words, he is 
a Roman soldier who has authority in this region. He could have just come and grabbed Jesus and said, come to my house right now. I have a sick servant and I need you to heal him. He had the power and authority to do this in this region from the Caesars. But he came boldly and simultaneously humble. Come and asked. And Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion, without any facade, Lord, I do not deserve for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Came boldly to ask, but with a humble heart, realizing who Jesus is. Verse nine, for I myself am man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go and he goes, and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. Verse 10, Jesus heard this. He was amazed and said to those following him, his disciples, Old Testament trained disciples, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. He's pausing here in this moment and he's gonna give his disciples a lesson on faith from this centurion, this guy who's not in the covenant, no Jewish descent, but he's got faith in God. And so the thing we know that faith in God is a hard thing, that anyone can have faith in God. We can all put our trust in God. Jesus is saying and seeing in this man great faith. He's turning. I have not seen anyone in Israel, he says to his disciples, who's got faith like this. Great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown aside into darkness and there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed at that moment. See, on on the other side of great faith is results. And when we are operating in in little faith, we're, we're anxious and we're worried and we're sinking beneath the wind and the waves. And see, in all of this, we have a choice. We just don't have to stay in doubt. We don't have to stay in the place of little faith. We, like this, the Canaanite woman and the centurion, they had great faith. They came boldly to ask with humble hearts of realizing who God is and who Jesus was, that we would just come with childlike, bold faith and we would go to the fridge and we'd say, God, what do you have for me today? Because I know what you have, you want me to have because I am your child. Let's pray today. God, we love you so much. Thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your word today.
And as we examine our own heart, we realize that you are calling us up to put our faith in you, to put our trust in you, regardless of what's happening in the world, regardless of what's happening in our circumstances in our lives, regardless of the storms raging around us, that we choose to keep our eyes on you, to boldly trust in you, to humbly ask for whatever you would have for us, Lord, that we would have your power at work in our lives, that we would have your wisdom at work in our lives. God, we trust you today. God, I trust you. Let's all say that out loud together today. God, I trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are here this morning and you have never taken that first step, that first step is making Jesus the Lord of your life. We all have a choice. God has made a way for us, but we have a choice. And we can choose to say, yes, the gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And because all of that happened, God just offers us a relationship with himself. And that's his righteousness. Righteousness just means right standing with God. And we don't have right standing with God because of our perfect moral state, because none of us are perfectly moral. Scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can't create some sort of religious system and offer that to God and say, God, will you accept me now? The story of the scripture is that God came down in Jesus and made a way for us to be in a relationship with God. And again, all we have to do is say yes. So if you're here in the room today, I'm gonna pray a prayer, invite you to pray along with me if you've never said yes to Jesus, never made him the Lord of your life. Or maybe you're here this morning and you said yes to Jesus in the past, but today you kind of feel distant from him. You know, God is not mad at you. God is inviting you close to himself again you pray along with me as well. So church, let's bow our head and close our eyes and let's pray this prayer with somebody who might be praying it for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. Let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, why don't we celebrate with anyone who who made that prayer for the very first time? The Bible says that heaven is rejoicing with you um, if you made that prayer today. And if you did make that prayer, we actually want to support you in your walk of faith. And so I would just encourage you to grab that connect card in the seat pocket in front of you, fill it out, bring it over to the info desk and just let them know, hey, I I prayed that prayer at the very end today. And we wanna put some resources in your hands. We wanna uh, be able to give you stuff to help you in your walk of faith um, for anyone who made that prayer today. So I just wanna go over some of those announcements again that we had earlier. 
Um, so city groups are starting this week. So I would encourage you guys to sign up for a city group. You can do that online. But right now in the lobby, our city group leaders are going to be out there uh, greeting you, answering any questions that you have, just be able to connect with you um, to see if you'd like to join a group. We have over 20 groups this season. So there's so many to choose from. And hey, we don't want you to do life alone. We believe that there's such richness in community and we want you guys to have those good friendships. That's what city groups are for. Um, Another thing is our men's game night is tomorrow. So if you haven't signed up yet, you can do that on our website or in the lobby right now, you can actually sign up for the men's game night. It's $25 per person, 6.30 p.m. until 9.30. And hey, guys, listen when else are you gonna have a chance to go face to face with your pastor in laser tag okay so that's tomorrow night 6 30 you can sign up in the lobby uh very last thing is if you came to church hoping to be prayed for uh, we actually have a prayer team that's going to come up at the at the end of the service right up here in the front and they would love to pray for you pray with you and for you um and so if that's for you right after we're dismissed you can come and meet them at the front of the stage sound good i'll get everyone to stand up as we finish off today And I'll invite the prayer team to start making your way to the front. And I hope you guys have a great week. That's everything for us today. Take care.